0: So it's dios and halagos. So if we want to word for word be God was the word, but that would be incorrect because there's the letter endings in the Greek that tell us what the subject is and what the object is. But what do you do when they both have nominative endings? Well, it's, it's because of the, the predicate nonative rule here that tells us whatever, whichever word has. The definite article, the Ha, that is the subject of the sentence. So that's why you will find every translation, including the New World Translation, and their butchered translation of the New Testament, everybody puts the Word as the subject, not God. So we don't translate it God was the Word, we translate it the Word was God. Uh... Now, I'll give you an example where you, if the definite article is missing, the law is missing, and you you are justified in inserting the indefinite article, the uh, because there is no indefinite article to the Greek. So sometimes the translation to make sense in English, we have to insert the uh. In Revelation 13, okay, uh, it talks about the mark of the beast, 666 being uh, the number of man, some translations say. That's pretty literal. But uh, uh, other translations will say, wait a minute, it's the number of a man, because the beast, the Antichrist, is an individual man. And I think they're justified in doing that. And so A.T. Robertson says when the definite article is missing, there's no definite article, no ha, dios, it's just dios, when it's missing, you are justified in certain cases to make a good translation, to make it understandable in English, to insert uh, the indefinite article and say, a God, or a whatever it is, a man, okay? But the problem is it can't be done here because we know the reason why it doesn't say hapias here. The whole reason why it doesn't say hapias is because it's letting us know The ah identifies the subject. In fact, there's no reason why the Jehovah's Witnesses, because the the letter endings, the word endings, don't tell us what the subject is. So how did Jehovah's Witnesses know that the word is the subject of that phrase? The only way you could know is because the doesn't have a definite article. But then, that's the reason why the doesn't have a definite article, and there's no justification to insert the indefinite article, because the only reason why it was left off was to tell us that God is the subject. By the way, if you put Ha in front of Theos, then they would be interchangeable. So not only could you say uh, the God is the Word, but the Word is the God. Basically, it would do damage to Trinitarian theology, uh, because you would say the whole Godhead, Jesus is the whole Godhead, where He isn't. He's the second person of the Trinity. But each member of the Trinity is as much God as the other members, but Jesus is not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible, though, the predicate opposite Rule and the Granville Sharp Rule better than anybody, and in layman's terms, James R. White book, The Forgotten Trinity, which is published about a year ago by Bethany House Publishers. The Forgotten Trinity, James R. White. Um, that book will really help you in all uh, the Witnesses. But, but basically, when they quote from A.T. Robertson, the Greek scholar uh, saying that you can assert the indefinite article even if it's not there in the Greek, all they have to do is just continue that quote to the next paragraph and they would see that he explains that there's some exceptions and one of the exceptions is when the predicate nominative rule is used, and he gives us the example, John 1 1. So just the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses know that the word is the subject of that sentence, uh, the only way that they would know that is the fact that PIAS doesn't have a, a, a HOG, a definite article, in front of it, which means that it's not supposed to. Basically what it's am saying, the Word was God. The Word fits under the classification of God. No branch fits under the classification of human. Okay? I have those qualities that define me as a human. The Word, by definition, is God. Okay? Um, so there's basically no justification. Well, we're, we're even given the reason why there's no definite article. Or theos, and uh, so to say the word was a god. There is no Greek scholar who agree with that whatsoever. Even the Greek scholars that they quote argue against that, um, but they just quote them out of out of context, which is very very uh, unfortunate. Uh, couldn't couldn't they have? A, I mean, wouldn't have been just correct just to translate it, uh, leave it as a translation. God likes the word of no, the next No, that Because the predicate nominative rule the the, the demands it, that when you when you see a structure like that, and they both have the nominative endings, the endings of the subject, the way you determine what the object is. Uh, the object is the word, is the noun that doesn't have the definite article. But in cases like that that you can't add A. in other words uh, this would be like saying really this is like saying the word has the quality of being God it, it, it's not like saying Jesus is the Holy One it's like saying Jesus is Holy okay and, and so you can't insert the nominative rule saying this is what is predicated of the Word the Word is God not saying the Word is the person God but the Word has the attributes of God Okay, very, very precise. So, so precise it's hard to explain in English. Um, but hairs all through John one one, hairs are being split. That can only be explained from a Trinitarian perspective. If you deny the plurality of persons in the Trinity, John one one, is is foolishness. Uh, and if you deny the deity of Christ, John one one is foolishness. Um, Uh, so it's and see the thing is holy if if it said the holy in the Greek you can translate that the holy one but if it just said holy it's not talking about the holy one it's talking about somebody or something is holy and that's the way this is the word was God. The word was divine. Divine would be a perfect translation, except that liberal theologians watered down divine and turned it into godlike instead of the equivalent of God. Okay? It uh, means the word was by nature God. And the same can be said of the Father and the Son. They said the word was the God. Um, it would basically lead you, leading into the direction of saying. The word was the Trinity because the whole God, which would not be true, because the word is not all three persons of are Trinity. The word is only one person of the Trinity. So hopefully that helps a little bit. It helps to have Greek one. Uh, These predicate nominative rule that really uh, shuts the book on that. Uh, by the way, I don't know if explaining that to a the Jehovah's Witnesses will ever will really even help. Every time I try to explain that to. a Jehovah's Witnesses, It just cause them to leave and uh, so it's one of those deals where we can be assured that we're right and they're wrong at the same time all you have to do is display a certain amount of knowledge and they're, they're gone uh, one of the best things you can do with cults like that that don't want to dialogue with people who know what they about is educate other Christians so at least they won't be their faith won't be damaged and God with them uh, But and then if you get a brand new Jehovah's Witness, you got a much better chance of snatching him out of there than if he's been a uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness for forty years. Okay, not only they deny that Christ needed, but they deny the Trinity. They teach that only the Father is God. Uh, We talked about the fact they teach that Jesus is his first creation, so he's a lesser God. By the way. The Bible teaches there are no lesser gods. Symbolically or figuratively, somebody can be called God, but not literally. So the idea that there's a lesser God actually makes, you can make a case that Jehovah's Witnesses are polytheists, or dualists at least. They believe in in the existence of two gods, the Almighty God and the Lesser God. And no Orthodox Jew would ever hold to that. Uh, Not the Apostle John, not the Apostle Paul, not the Apostle Peter. Um, the scriptures teach there's only one God but the Jehovah's Witnesses deny the Trinity they teach only the Father is God Jesus is his first creation and the Holy Spirit is just God's active force so the Holy Spirit is not a separate uh, person um Isaiah 43.10, which is an excellent passage to use on Mormon, says, God said, Before me there was no God formed, nor will there be one after me. So what God is saying is, I'm not going to make a lesser God somewhere down the line. Okay? There's only one God. I'm God from all eternity. There's not going to be any gods coming into existence beyond that. Isaiah 44.6, that tells us there's only one God. In Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, the Father is called God. Titus two thirteen, the Son is called God, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Acts five three and four, Ananias. Peter says, Ananias, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse four, he says, you haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. He's equating the Holy Spirit with God. Well, when you look at Matthew three sixteen and seventeen, Jesus gets baptized. He's coming out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. So you have all three persons. You know, some say that, uh, you know, God is only one person, but he goes by three different names Father and Holy Spirit. You've got all three persons there at the same same time. Uh, John chapter. 14, verse 16, verse 26, John 15, verse 26, John 16, 7 to 11. Read John chapters 14, 15, and 16. It's real clear there. Jesus said, Look, if I, that's one person, don't go to the Father, that's the second person mentioned, then the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, that's the third person mentioned, will not be sent to you. He says that same thing in different words over and over. It makes no sense if they're all the same person. Uh, so there are three separate. So basically, the teaching of the scriptures are there's only one God. Father is called God. The Son is called God. The Holy Spirit is called God. Yet there's three separate persons. That's the doctrine of the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses deny that by denying Christ's deity and denying the separate, distinct personhood of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so point three is the denial of the Holy Spirit's personality Where the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that the Holy Spirit is God's active force That accomplishes His will Kind of like uh, Phil Fernandez has a certain amount of power Not as much power as he used to have But it would be like the the Holy Spirit would be like God's power Not a separate person from God And uh, from uh, the Father uh, but in actuality, uh, the scriptures uh, uh, disagree with the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Holy Spirit is a person. We um, mentioned John 14, verse 16, and John 15, verse 26, spoken of as a separate person from the Father and the Son. Ephesians 4:30 tells us that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Acts 5, 3, and 4 tells us the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Um, In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we find that the Holy Spirit can speak. You know, the Holy Spirit has the attributes, uh, the characteristics of a person. He can be grieved, the Holy Spirit can speak, and he is spoken about in personal terms. Okay, uh, point D. The Jehovah's Witnesses deny uh, Christ's bodily resurrection. They deny Christ's bodily resurrection. They teach that Jesus was raised a spirit being and not bodily. Uh, by the way, I forgot to do this earlier. I'm going to just quote from one of the Jehovah's Witnesses' works called Let God Be True, to show where they deny the bodily resurrection of Christ. Uh, Uh, on the third day page 43 let God be true. on the third day of his being dead in the grave his immortal father Jehovah God raised him from the dead not as a human son but as a mighty immortal spirit son with all power in heaven and earth under the most high God then page 272 of the same work also denies the bodily resurrection uh talks about jesus was the first one to rise from the dead this firstborn one from the dead was not raised out of the grave a human creature but he was raised a spirit okay so they deny the bodily resurrection Um uh, what do the scriptures teach on that uh the scriptures teach that Jesus would be violent and raised from the dead. John chapter 2, verses 19 and 21, Jesus cleansed the temple. His enemies said, Well, what sign do you give us to prove the authority that you have? Jesus said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They, they said, Well, this temple took 46 years to build, or his temple. And John said, Well, they didn't understand. He was talking about the temple of his body. Jesus was saying, kill me, destroy my body, and I'll raise my body up on the third day. Totally contradicts Jehovah's Witness view, which denies the bodily resurrection of Christ. Um, John chapter 20, verses 26-27, Jesus has a body. He says, Come on, Thomas, serve your fingers in the holes of my hands and the holes of my feet. Check out my pierced side. Okay. Um and then in Luke 24, verses 36 to 43, the apostles were thinking of becoming uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. They, they thought that they were, they were afraid. They thought they were looking at a spirit. And Jesus said, I'm not a spirit. Look, I have a body of flesh and bones. Touch my wounds. Here, give me a, big, a, a piece of fish. And he ate fish and of up to prove that he wasn't just spirit, that he had a body uh, as well. So it's amply clear that uh, Christ had bodily risen from the dead. I want to backtrack just a little, just to let you know. I didn't quote any any Watchtower literature to show that they denied the deity of Christ. So I'm going to quote from Let God Be True, page 88. Uh, and they state this truth of the matter is that the word is Christ Jesus who did have a beginning because at Revelation 3 14 he distinctly states that he was the beginning of the creation of God we already explained that I just mean he was the origin of the creation of God he is the source of the creation of God he is the creator is all that's saying there um page 91 um it says, if Jesus was God, then during Jesus' death, God was dead and in the grave. What a wonderful opportunity for Satan to take complete control. That doesn't make any sense because uh, uh, Jesus was physically dead, but he's still God's second birth of the Trinity, but you still also have to, if that created a problem, I don't think it would. He was still out of the first and the third persons of the Trinity. Yeah, if Jesus was dead, and during Jesus' death, God was dead in the grave. Uh, we were Trinitarians. You we got God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I'm not even sure if God was one person, that being physically dead in human nature would create a problem. Whatever the case, what a wonderful opportunity for Satan to take complete control. And he said, if Jesus was the immortal God, he could not have died. Uh, well, that could be said before the incarnation, but that's why he became a man, so that he could taste after all mankind. What Hebrews 2 9 says throughout chapter 2 of, of, of Hebrews. And uh, a couple more passages from here just to reinforce the fact that I'm not making this up to take an idea. Okay? Of course, if anybody If you talk to a Mormon, a Mormon will come, I mean, uh, a Joel's witness, Joel's witness will tell you. Right right out of the blocks, you know, as soon as the race starts, he's gonna tell you he's gonna be in your face and tell you that he denies that Jesus is God. Now the Mormons will try to agree with you as much as possible. Just different strategies. Jehovah's Witnesses are in your face. So if you talk to them, it's pretty obvious that they deny Christ's deity. But the Mormons have a different different strategy. Um it says Talking about uh, the reference to Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6, this one was not Jehovah God, but was existing in the form of God. How so? He was a spirit person, just as God is a spirit. He was a mighty one, although not almighty as Jehovah God is. He was before all others of God creatures because he was the first son that Jehovah God brought forth. Says, Thus he is ranked with God's creatures, being first among them and also most beloved and most favored among them. He is not the author of the creation of God, uh, but after God had created him as his firstborn son, then God used him as his working partner in creating all the rest uh, of creation. And okay, let's get one more prior to coming to earth this only begotten Son of God did not think himself to be co-equal with Jehovah God he did not view himself as equal in power and glory to the mighty God as um, is blatantly false not only did he think of himself equal with the Father prior to earth but he also thought of himself equal with the Father after the incarnation uh, although he admitted that there is a sense for the Father greater than he for the Father never. Experience the humiliation of becoming a man. Uh, Okay, uh, we talked about, we refuted the Jehovah's Witness denial of Christ's deity, denial of the Trinity, denial of the Holy Spirit's personality, and the denial of Christ's bodily resurrection. Uh, But the Jehovah's Witnesses also deny salvation by God's grace alone, and they deny the atonement of Christ, Christ's death. Uh, as a substitute sacrifice for our sins taking our punishment for us. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus' death removed the effects of Adam's sin on us so that we can now save ourselves by living a righteous life until death. Okay? Scriptures are clear that that, that this is blatantly false. Uh, Romans 3.10 tells us there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.20-23 tell us that we are not justified by obeying God's laws rather through the law we become conscious of sin the law is a tutor to lead us to Christ Paul says in Galatians Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God Ephesians 2.8-9 for by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves is the gift of God not as a result of works that no one should boast So we are not saved by works. Jesus' death on the cross, he took our punishment for us. He provides salvation for us. See, Christians don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Good works is not the the root of salvation. It's the fruit of salvation. Good works are not the cause of salvation. Uh, They are the effect or result of salvation. 1 Peter 3.18, we're told that he bore our sins in his body on the cross uh, so that uh, we would die to sin and live to righteousness. But it's basically saying that he died for our sins on the cross and took our punishment for us. Um, look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And then verse 21, and he died for all. Jesus died for all. But those who lived no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So, you know, Jesus died on our behalf. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sent for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It brings with The idea along with 1 Peter 3.18 that Jesus died for our sins. He took our punishment for us. He didn't die just to enable us to save ourselves. Now, part of his dying on the cross for our sins was to to empower us to be able to say no to sin, but it's not that saying no to sin that saves us, what saves us, us trusting in Jesus for salvation his ability to provide salvation for us. So it's kind of, it Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, it's like Jesus' death on the cross just removes, it's like Jesus unties our hands which then frees us to climb the ladder on our own. Whereas in true biblical Christianity, Jesus just picks us up and climbs the ladder for us and places us at the final destination. Um, I don't know, you know, we've got only about 11 minutes. Rather than moving on, what if we stop there and just open it up to, to any questions? Does anybody have any any questions for the final 10 minutes at all about the Joseph? Well, I was just going to well, we just talked about now. Like the Some salvation by grace, and the comment, and uh, says so that, uh, that they believe Jesus' bathroom is a bad sin on us, so we can now save ourselves by the rest of the life. So that, uh, does that, that go along with uh, with, uh, so blatant? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, uh, not as blatant as blatant because, uh, Polygonism, Jesus just set the example for us. And we have the ability, you know, we don't even need the sin to be any original sin to be removed. And and so it's it's not quite as bad as Polygonism. With uh, the Jones witnesses, Jesus' death did accomplish something more than setting an example, it removed that sin. Which then frees us to obey God's laws in, in order to save ourselves. So, in the end, it still gets right back to salvation by works. Uh, um, but it's actually, and that's a good question, but Platian is actually even worse than that. And uh, sinless perfection is actually attainable from birth to death in Platian's law. Okay, any other questions or, or comments? Okay, what well, we'll do uh, next time we get together, uh, we'll start talking about the fact that Jehovah's Denied Christ Visible Return, and uh, we'll try to finish. Say what, you got 10 minutes. Let me just go over the denial of Christ Visible Return and we'll close it as that I got a, a quick question before we go on here. Sure. Um this gives up. do you teach the New Testament in Greek here? No, no, no offered. No, uh, uh, it was offered by Scott Golicky, But he used to teach full time for Cascade, now he teaches part time for Cascade. So uh, he, I think he teaches New Testament as well, so I'm not sure if he still teaches Greek. Uh Josh, you might know more about that than me. because yeah. you had a pretty good idea. Yeah. They're not talking about the doctor. the All those offered here? Oh, really? Okay, well, there goes some Michael stuff. Uh, Scott Golgi doesn't teach you any doctors. But uh, Michael stuff. This good. sounds like something that I really think. Yeah, because no, Scott Golgi doesn't teach you here that he doesn't want to teach it at all, or? Uh, uh, just because, well, it's doing a ministry responsible for all of You want to tell someone else to teach one class. OK. So I was going to say is, you know, the you know, guys who didn't teach it through Cascade. <laughs> he might be over it. You know, 10 guys got together and said, hey, we paid X amount of dollars to tutor us in Greek one, Greek two, and all that type of thing. But uh, uh, in fact, I think Greek is more effective one guy just takes on two or three students rather than uh, the it's so much stuff it's like 99.9% memorization of all word endings and it's, it can drive you nuts never yeah. um, okay the denial of Christ's visible return Jehovah's Witnesses I don't know how they I to get 4.5 million people on this planet to believe this but they teach that Christ invisibly returned to Brooklyn, New York in 1914. Uh, now, granted, if you're gonna go to Brooklyn, New York, you'd be best, if possible, to, to go there invisibly, and uh, that way your chance of get to be would be lower, but, uh, but this is just, just ludicrous. Revelation 1-7, about saying, coming to Christ, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. What does he say? What is one the books? Uh, Yeah, they've got uh, a whole lot of writings. Um, Again, too, you may have to look at Martin and his writings, may even quote them on that. He quotes a lot of their stuff. What was good about Martin when he quotes them, he gives you the uh, uh, copyright or the edition number or the copyright date because uh, a lot of their stuff, You know, when they're embarrassed about it, they don't repeat later on. But I believe this is one of those things that they're still dogmatic on. What was the purpose of his visit to the Basically, to embody, if you will, and lead the Jehovah's Witness organization. Now, now keep in mind, these are guys that were predicting Armageddon at different dates, and it didn't come about. And so, in an attempt to save face, they turned a, a visible return of Christ into an invisible return Um, Matthew 24 23 to 31 when Jesus is talking about his return he says look if they say he's in the hidden chambers if they say Christ is here he's in the hidden chambers don't call him look if they say he's in the wilderness don't call him look don't let anybody fool you I'm not going to sneak back I'm not going to invisibly return when I return it's going to be obvious and he says that immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon won't give us light, the stars will fall from the sky, the power of the heavens will be shaken. And then at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear and the Son of Man will come in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory with his angels with him and they're going to gather the elect from one. He, he, he even says in that passage, verse 28, it's going to be as obvious as the lightning striking in the east and flashing to the west. And uh, so, so he's basically saying there's no secret. Jesus' return will not be secret. It will be visible to all. Uh, Zechariah 143 to 5 talks about that. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Jesus is, is visibly and physically ascending to heaven. And the apostles are looking up at him. And the two angels say, Why are you looking up into heaven? The same Jesus that he saw go up like that is going to return the same way. Okay. And uh, so it's real clear that Christ's return uh, is uh, a visible return and that is yet to occur. He did not visibly return from zero. the earth. By the way, the Zechariah passage is to let you know that his visible return, he will land on the Mount of Olives outside Jerusalem. You compare that with a passage from Ezekiel, he will march from the Mount of Olives right on down and and lead his saints and his angels into the eastern gate and and direct route to the temple area Um, so that's that he will visibly return to Israel via the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem he will not return invisibly uh, nor will he return to Brooklyn, New York nor did he do so in 1940 okay uh, we'll pick it up there Talk about the denial of the human soul that this is what's called soul sleep. Josephus teaches teach that after you physically die, you cease to exist until you're resurrected. And the scriptures teach that when you physically die, your spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately and you still have consciousness. You still without your, your body. Then uh, Josephus would deny eternal conscious torment, it's called annihilation of the wicked. And, uh, and uh, we'll uh, review that as well in the rest of uh, uh, the uh, Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Just remind me, if you can remember, that, I, well, maybe that I'll write myself a note so that I remember exactly where I left off yeah, that would be a good idea although I would say that reading your textbook would probably be a, uh, more important to get started on that especially since as you read they spent about 100 pages on Joel's wisdom about 100 pages on the, the Mormons and so as you read these chapters you might just find a, a cult that, that really interests you and it might be a cult that's not much written about and, and that uh, you might be able to, you know, bring it uh, more and more to the forefront um, among Christians. But so you, you might want to start reading through that first. And maybe when something catches your eye, it'll give you an interest about a, a particular uh, uh, cult that you might want to write your paper on. So.